What's good guys and welcome to another episode of Mini Football Logic, it's Zeno here and today we're going to be talking about Arsenal defeating Chelsea by 3 goals to 1. Now on the surface of it all it's not really a surprise really is it? The way Chelsea have been since Lampard took over and even though Arsenal hadn't won a game in about 52 days leading up to this, this was the perfect game for them to end that streak and here it was, you know, after you know getting torn apart by Manchester City if you haven't listened to that episode, by the way, episode 77, I think it is. You might as well check it out. Nonetheless, after getting ripped apart by Manchester City, this was the perfect game. An out-of-form, out-of-touch side that don't know what the hell they're doing. Managed by a coach that's just gotten too familiar with the feeling of losing and doesn't know how to turn it around. And having to take over a squad with so many damn players, it's impossible to even decide what 23 players to take for the match day squad. And in the game, you can just tell the difference between a side that know what they're doing and are going in the right direction and they're all pulling in the right way to a team that doesn't know where they are right now are, and are in complete disarray and don't know where the, what the hell they're doing. You know, they're, they've been managed by a guy that doesn't know their best team, which is probably he actually had in his previous tenure, Lampard. Lampard. And then, of course, just the players just don't, it doesn't look like they know what they were doing. And it looked like they were trying to do a Tottenham impression with, you know, three goals conceded in the opening half an hour. It wasn't looking good. But fair play. Luckily for Chelsea, Arsenal took their foot off the gas. Kind of what Liverpool did against Tottenham. And of course, Tottenham punished them somehow. But Chelsea obviously aren't as good enough to do that. And as a result, the game kind of petered out in the second half. Madueke managed to nab a goal. A little consolation, but they never looked like coming back into it. You know, watching the game, you can feel you can feel that like the commentators are trying to hype it up and say there might be a comeback on the cards, but there was never going to be a comeback. Chelsea are completely out of form, out of touch. The same amount of points as Bournemouth, even though I know they played less games. It it's just it's a horrible, horrible situation for them. And the fact they got Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth next, and we can't even be sure that they're going to win those games. Never mind. Yeah, you, you, you can't even be sure that they're going to win those games. You know, not thinking maybe a draw will do. Just something to stop the rot. It's six consecutive losses since he became in charge, Lampard. It's, it's just right now he's not turning the tide in the right direction, and it feels that Chelsea would be better off giving Potter the time he deserved rather than get rid of him, completely cut the project short, and then get this guy in charge, and he's just continuing to make them lose more because you know he got into the knack of losing at Everton, and he is a man, and he is a coach with many deficiencies. He was exposed to Everton. He didn't do anything to be worthy of even having a better job than that. And yet here he is at Chelsea because obviously he's a Chelsea legend and he had that one decent season in his first campaign in charge of Chelsea where he did it right with the academy players. And obviously I'm not a Chelsea fan, but as an outsider looking in, you know, and obviously my brother supporting Chelsea, I have a vested interest in them through him, you know. So with that in mind, it's 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 frustrating to see how Chelsea will all of these damn forwards and they cannot score a goal to save their lives. But that's what happens when you buy forwards and not strikers. Yeah, as we know, there's a difference between forwards and strikers. And you, right now you can really see the difference, you know, having Ja Felix, Modric, Madueke, you know, having all these players signed up, you know, but only signing for Fana. You know, who's improving at the highest level, although he has bags of potential and deserves to get more time than he has gone. You know, 
seeing those signings come in and realizing that they haven't fulfilled an area of a weakness after learning at Lukaku, it's terrible. Now they're playing, they're plowing on with Kai Havertz as a false nine, even though he really should be solving another problem, aka Chelsea's creativity problem in midfield. You know, having a midfield of Kovacic, Kante, and Enzo is can be effective, but in a game like this where you're where they end up having to chase it. You need a, a player in there that's a more of an attacking force. I know Enzo's kind of a deep line playmaker sort of guy, dynamic CDM sort of thing, but you need somebody like a Kai Havertz, maybe? <laughs> oh wait, he's playing up front, you know? he doesn't. He's not even number nine. Lampard was talking about how he needs a number nine to play in the system, and yet here he is subbing off Aubameyang, who was horrendous in the first half and then a completely non-existent and then replacing with Havertz it just doesn't make sense maybe he should just put him for Fafana instead what's the worst that could happen putting him on there it's not like he's not going to give it his all you know Kane Chukameka I don't know if he's injured or not he deserves a chance as well if he's not hurt you know he could actually give them that creative edge in midfield you know I'm not going to say off this cheek maybe maybe even Ziyech in that role I'm just saying Chelsea needs to if you're going to play that 4 3 3 as Tottenham learned in the game against Newcastle, you want to have a balanced midfield three, you know. Of course, you might have two that might do more of the defensive work, but you also want one guy in that midfield to at least have the ability to unlock defences with their passing ability and their creativity. You, ju- you don't want to have a midfield where you just literally, with Chelsea, you just had the three midfielders. You had the Kante and Kovacic, who are very similar midfielders, box-to-box kind of dynamic midfielders that can carry the ball forward. You know, Kante, of course, has that amazing defensive edge about him. But he hasn't been quite the same since his injuries. And Kovacic just it, it hasn't been quite the same full stop. Especially as you thought, watching him at the World Cup, you know, Chelsea would Chelsea have a great midfielder in there. But, you know, I guess being in a team this bad, it drags you down, doesn't it? It drags you down. But let me stop talking about Chelsea. Let's talk about Arsenal for a sec. Of course, Arsenal didn't really have to do much. This is a team that obviously had a tough run because, you know, competing for the title ain't easy. You know, they're a young squad and they've, completely overachieved expectations this season and reality started to hit them and they started to show their true level and they're dropping they're slightly they just dropped like a stone in terms of form but they've been able to turn it around in this game and take advantage of a really weak looking Chelsea team and weak looking Chelsea performance and Odegaard of course was a star man he's been amazing all season 14 goals this season incredible he's been an absolutely huge influence on that team everyone talks about Saka Martinelli even Jesus People are on top of a little bit more about Odegaard, but I feel like out of all those attacking players that have been so amazing for them this season, he might be the one. You know, we know how important attacking before they can be because we've just seen how it, how much Chelsea was lacking that and how other teams in the past, like Tottenham and even Manchester United to an extent when Bruno isn't playing, are lacking that edge. That's why Man City have a whole host of them. <laughs> and that's why they never fail and never have any problems. Of course, De Bruyne is the kingpin, but they have the they have Mahrez, Grealish, Bernardo Silva, need I go on? Yeah, honestly, it's it's very important to have an attacking midfielder that functions well within a system when you want to score goals. And Odegaard right now, he's, he's not just running the midfield show, he's also scoring goals as well. And like literally after De Bruyne, who, you know, he could be the guy after De Bruyne. That's how good he's been. So honestly, to see him score two goals, not much of a surprise. Carbon copies of each other as well. Jesus got his 10th goal of the season. You know, obviously, I am I am a critic of how little Jesus scores, but I am a big fan of the impact he has in matches without him scoring, and it kind of it that's what balances him out in a way. You know, his ability to work hard on the pitch and to make a difference that way with his runs and his impact on the game. 
when he gets the ball and stuff it can does balance out the lack of goals he scores especially if you have Odegaard scoring 14 Saka scoring 12 Martinelli scoring 15 it, it doesn't matter as much so he's in the perfect place for him now to show off his skills and to be the best player he can be overall it was another solid Arsenal performance of course they're going to be upset by conceding the goal but they haven't kept a clean sheet since Saliba got injured we all know that he's their best defender their best centre-back so it's no surprise that since then they've been kind of unstable in that regard because they even let bloody Chelsea score and Chelsea don't score often anymore but of course they found a way but all in all Chelsea at this point have to just aim to finish in the top 10 and even then that looks unlikely while Arsenal on the other hand they go back to the top of the Premier League but as we know, Man City have those two games in hand and really it's back to the wall stuff and just hoping that Manchester City slip up, which unfortunately they rarely do. But overall, they should be happy with their bounce back ability and the way they've brought themselves back into it and tried to turn the momentum their way. And the title race isn't completely done yet. I think I'm going to end it here. Hope you guys enjoyed listening or watching. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode of Mini Football Logic. Mini Logic.